Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, October 12th, and this is your FT News Briefing. U.S. bank earnings look like they've taken a turn for the worse, and the jury in Sam Bankman-Fried's criminal trial heard some pretty stunning testimony. Plus, Israel is worried about another front in an already brutal conflict. The concern is that were this to become an all-out conflict between Israel and Hezbollah, then we'd be fighting Hamas in the south and Hezbollah in the north. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Big U.S. banks will start reporting earnings on Friday. J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, and Citigroup will all release quarterly reports. But the good times might be coming to an end for Wall Street. Here to walk us through what to expect is the FT's U.S. banking editor, Joshua Franklin. Hey, Josh. Hi. So the past few quarters when we've talked to you about bank earnings, it's been pretty good news. But this time around, analysts are saying that the majority of the six biggest U.S. banks will see their third quarter profits fall year-on-year. What's changed? Nothing good lasts forever for these banks. So basically, what banks have been really benefiting from from the last 12 to 18 months has been rising interest rates. They've been able to charge more for loans that they make, but they haven't really been offering savers higher interest rates on their deposits. So the profit margins on their lending activities have really been um, at pretty high levels. But now how things are playing out is lending has started to slow down a little bit, especially when it comes to, to corporate lending, just because with interest rates where they are, borrowers are a little bit shyer about, uh, about taking out new loans. And then also there is just more and more pressure on banks to reward savers with higher interest rates to keep their deposits at the bank. Okay, so they're taking a hit. What's their plan to bring profits back up? So part of it is banks kind of recognize that the profits that they've seen over the last 12 to 18 months weren't really sustainable. That wasn't the long-term trajectory. So they've been kind of preparing for this, kind of guiding down expectations. And now I think really it's about you know maximizing the loans that they make, being careful around uh, from a credit perspective, make sure they don't make loans that turn out um, not to be repaid in the long term, and also gradually increasing the the rates that they offer savers on their deposits to make sure that deposits don't fall too much at these banks. I see. So it's kind of an incentive for people to keep depositing their money. That's the consumer side. What about the investment side? How's that doing? So investment banking really has been in the doldrums for coming up on two years now. Because the Fed lifting interest rates as quickly as they did, we've seen um, deal-making activity, mergers, acquisitions, initial public offerings really dry up. Banks for the last few months have been talking about green shoots of activity, more dialogue with um, with clients, showing more inclination to, to do deals. We've seen a few IPOs in the U.S., I think this quarter is still not going to be a good, a, a good quarter. The, the five biggest investment banks, including Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, and Morgan Stanley, on average, investment banking revenue is seen being down. But there's more and more optimism that things could be better um, in 2024. Joshua Franklin is the FT's U.S. banking editor. Thank you, Josh. Thanks very much. The trial against FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried continued yesterday, and the star witness delivered pretty damning testimony during her second day on the stand. 
Caroline Ellison ran the FTX trading firm called Alameda Research before it collapsed last year. Ellison said Bankman-Fried ordered her to carry out a cover-up. He wanted to conceal that the business was funneling more than $4 billion to him and senior staffers and hide that Alameda was borrowing $10 billion from FTX customers. FTX collapsed months later after an enormous hole in its balance sheet was exposed. Ellison pleaded guilty to fraud last year. Bankman-Fried has pleaded not guilty. The surprise attack by Hamas on Saturday overwhelmed Israel's defenses along its southern border. But in the days since, the Jewish state has also been fighting on another front, its northern border with Lebanon. Here to talk about the concerns of a wider war in the region is the FT's Mihul Srivastava. He's currently in Tel Aviv. Hey, Mihul. Hi, how are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, so we've been hearing about the exchange of rocket fire and artillery on the border between Israel and Lebanon over the past few days. What's going on there and who is involved? So every time Israel has an ongoing conflict with Hamas, you will see some sympathetic exchange of artillery or rockets from Lebanon and southern border into Israel's northern border. Quite often, this is claimed by small groups of Palestinian militants that operate inside Lebanon. But this time around, one of them was claimed by Hezbollah, which is an arch enemy of Israel. The concern is that were this to become an all-out conflict between Israel and Hezbollah, then it would be fighting Hamas in the south and Hezbollah in the north. And Mehul, explain for our listeners what Hezbollah is and what role it plays in the conflict between Palestine and Israel. So Hezbollah is a resistance movement that was born in the 1980s when Israel had gone into Lebanon to try and wrench out Palestinian militants who were attacking Israel from that territory during the civil war. Now, supported by Iran, it has become one of the most powerful militias in the Middle East and has spent the last decade trying to encircle Israel in order to become a more powerful regional rival to Israel's military, which is the most powerful military in the Middle East. Okay, so it sounds like Hamas and Hezbollah kind of play off one another, but aren't exactly aligned. How close are the two groups? Not as close as uh, Israel alleges, but close enough to be an issue of major concern. Hamas is uh, a Sunni Palestinian resistance movement that's focused on the idea that through violent means it can either overthrow the state of Israel or become a greater player in whatever eventual Palestinian state may one day be born. Hezbollah stretches all over the Middle East as a Shia movement backed by Tehran, while it claims to have the liberation of Jerusalem and Israel as one of its goals. It has a large number of other goals which are not matched with what Hamas is trying to do. I see. So Hezbollah and Hamas are both attacking Israel, but with slightly different goals. And now there are fears that Hezbollah might see Hamas's attack on Saturday as an opportunity to launch its own. What's the risk that this conflict could develop further in Lebanon or even potentially draw in Iran? This has been a concern. Here in the Middle East, there's a large number of regional rivalries that are playing out in this conflict in many ways. For instance, the Israelis have been very adamant, and the American government has been very adamant that Iran shouldn't step in via its proxy Hezbollah. But so far, and even in the past, in other conflict that Israel has had with Hamas, we have not seen Hezbollah step in in any major way. To make sure that this doesn't happen, the Americans have moved a carrier group, the USS Gerald Ford, which very clearly is intended to deter Iran from pushing Hezbollah into 
turning this into a two-front conflict for Israel. And Iran has been very clear and publicly has denied having any involvement in this assault on Saturday. Mehul Srivastava is covering the conflict between Israel and Hamas for the FT. Thanks, Mehul. Thanks for having me. Before we go, Birkenstock's initial public offering, well, it kind of tripped over its own feet. Birkenstock opened at $41 a share on Wednesday, down from $46 in its pricing the night before. Investors were hoping that the German sandal company would take a sturdy and sensible step in the IPO market, but alas, it did not. Arm, Instacart, and Klaviyo all priced large IPOs at or above the top of their target ranges last month, but the sheen quickly wore off after they listed, and shares in these groups have been choppy in the weeks since. You can read more on all of these stories at ft.com for free when you click the links in our show notes. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.